Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 187 of the Canadian Football Countdown, your week 20 recap. The Canadian Football Countdown is a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Tonight, we're here to recap week 20 in the CFL. We'll break down all of the games this past week. We'll put the playoff puzzle together. We will also update our CFL fantasy betting results, players of the week, and our power rankings uh, all tonight throughout the show. We'll be taking your comments and questions, such as one comment has already come in. Good job. You know the drill. I, you also know who you are. Uh, this is all made possible by our presenting sponsor, Game Time TV. Learn more by visiting Watch gametimetv.ca or by following on Facebook at facebook.com slash gametimetvmb. Before I go any further, I will introduce the lone member of the panel tonight outside of myself, a guy that very bravely is wearing a Saskatchewan Rough Riders hat, but I commend him. Uh, he told me he was proud of his team, so can't really fault him for that. We want him in the one and only Adam Stewart. And Adam, I have to ask you right off the hop, how much snow did you get? Uh, you know, actually not a lot of snow, but we got a lot of freezing rain here, and that was even worse, to be honest. I take the snow any day over freezing rain, just because it's all stuck all over the place and everything else. Uh, but lots of snow, I guess, in Regina there uh, this weekend. I think we'll talk a little bit about that uh, maybe on uh, the Sunday uh, afternoon game that happened over there. Uh, if we get a little bit of time, Mike, uh, between the rifles and the thunder, never seen a yeah. time. When, uh, never seen a time when they actually have to get the volunteers and the fans and the parents and everybody to shovel off a football field before a uh, playoff game. So uh, uh, we'll talk about that and some other stuff. And uh we might even get to the hat. Uh, yeah, the guys in the uh, 90-minute delay in the game while they got the snow yeah. shovel. Uh, kind of ironic after the uh, Ryder playoff hopes got snowed under uh, 24 hours before. So Yeah, yeah, we all get the jokes. Anyways, I, 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 also don't just know, I, I don't know if that's fitting or if that's just coincidence. but uh, I didn't Probably know. a little bit of both, to be but, honest. That's just, that's and also, Trey, no, they are giving these hats away for free. Uh, they still... Uh, they, for some reason, the writers like to charge for anything they can charge for. So that's he still ain't free. Anyway, so yeah, that by the way, that playoff hopes being snowed out there was just me trying to be funny. Uh, anyway, before we go any further, uh, the Canadian Football Countdown was just to acknowledge, uh, spot you from Treaty One territory, traditional territory of the Oshinabi, Cree, OG Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. We'd also, at this time, like to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors for this episode of the podcast, BetStab. There's so many different sports books out there these days, and each one offers different prices on the same game. So how do you ensure that you're getting the best value? BetStamp provides you the info you need at no additional cost. 
simply pull up Bedim on the Betstamp app to see the odds offered by each of the different sportsbook affiliates for that particular game to, to help you place the bet that will maximize the return for the pick you're making. Find some odds you like. Sign up at the corresponding site through the Betstamp bet link page within the app and link your account easily to track the wagers you made. If you want some extra insight on the wagers, check out the commission-free Betstamp marketplace where you can see the bets others have placed and through Betstamp's verified bet tracking, you can guarantee that the odds others have picked are, sorry, based on are verified and legitimate. You can find our consensus CFL pits, uh, sorry, on there under the username CFC Countdown Pod and Trace Pits as well under Trey CF Countdown. Visit Betstamp or download the free app from your local app store and sign up with the referral code CFC to start using the Betstamp app free today. Best of luck with your wagers and remember, Always bet responsibly. Just a quick uh, update. I am having a little bit of issue uh, for the moment with our slideshow. I'm hoping to get that rectified uh, shortly. But uh, this is episode number 187, uh, the Week 20 Recap. Well, Adam, let's quickly get into it. Uh, The playoff picture pretty much settled this week, and it started with this game. Uh, the first game of the week saw the Ottawa Redblatch race out to a sizable lead, only to have the Hamilton Tiger Cats claw their way back and subsequently put themselves in position uh, to clinch a playoff spot with a 30-27 to uh, victory over the, the Ottawa Redblatch. Now, uh, my initial thoughts here, Adam, and I don't know if you feel the same, um, to me, this was just a case of too many weeks too late for the Red Bots. Um, but I, I mean, if they would have played like this in the middle stretch of the season when they needed some victories, uh, a victory might not have been so vital here. Um, the fact that they put so much pressure on themselves to have to win, uh, basically win out, um, really didn't help their cause. But I fought a pretty good effort from the Red Bots. And don't look now, the Tiger Cats are suddenly on a bit of a roll on the back half of the calendar. Yeah, you know what, in this game here, I want to, you're right. I mean, Ottawa should have got going a little bit quicker than they did in this season. And I mean, it happens. It's a pretty new team. They've been pretty well adjusted. And they've had lots of changes going throughout the whole season, uh, including, again, Jalen Acklin, I believe, was still out of this game here. Uh, and if he was, I don't think he played very much. I don't remember even seeing him uh, on the roster here. Yeah, no, he wasn't in there. Uh, they've gotten some pieces, though. And, you know, Ottawa is going to be a team next year to probably watch a little bit. Uh, Justin Hardy, for example, 5 for 5, 34 yards. And, hey, last game of the season, there's RJ Harris finally coming out. 7 for 11, 62 yards. And uh, didn't have a touchdown, but again, longest was 18 yards, averaging 8.9 yards on a pickup. So, you know, there's some pieces in Ottawa that are starting to maybe make sense for where they're going to fit in. 
I really want to see what happens with coach Bob Dice. He's really gotten this team going in the last few weeks. I don't know if he's the ultimate answer for a head coaching job in Ottawa, but he's done well for himself overall in these last few weeks. Another guy I'm very impressed with who I didn't think where I thought Ottawa was really going to fall off the wagon here was in play calling. Give uh, former quarterback and uh, offensive or quarterback coach Will Arndt some real uh, credit here. Has done extremely well, uh, making some good play calls and solid play calls for the Ottawa Red Blocks. And they got off to a hot start in this game. Looked like they were maybe going to even take it to Hamilton a little bit. And all of a sudden, Hamilton just, you're right, the best way to describe this was claw back. Uh, this team in Ottawa really still has a little bit of an issue with running the football. Uh, 63 yards for Jackson Bennett. Had one big good run at 21 yards, but other than that, not a whole lot. Jackson Bennett and Nick Arbuckle, same thing as well. Has some, not really a running quarterback. Didn't really do a whole lot in this game here in passing. Uh, just maybe it's the quarterback in Ottawa, and we'll see what they do in the offseason on this part. But give Hamilton credit. They came back. They scratched and clawed. They're going to have some very big problems coming up, I think, unfortunately, Unless Dane Evans is going to be healthy, he took a funny little pass and nailed his hand on top of one of the quarterback or one one of the uh, rushers' uh, hand uh, on his helmet, and he didn't return in this game. So it was up to Matt Schultz, who uh, actually led him not too bad, three for four, had a few little plays. But uh, going forward, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with Dane Evans uh, with the Tie Cats, and uh, overall in this game. One thing, again, we've seen it last year and we'll see it this year. Hamilton decided that, hey, we should introduce the rushing game in week 20, week 21, and week 19 of the season. Sean Thomas Erlington had one game to remember, uh, 13 for 104 yards, 36-yard longest. Had a very good game for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Once again, they have not been a running game team all year. All of a sudden, by the way, we're going to start running the ball. And definitely their most outstanding player of the season, Tim White had a great game again. Uh, he had uh, seven for 10, but 113 yards, uh, 29 yard average, or 16 yard average, and a 29 yard long catch. Had a very, very good game uh, for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And you got to give credit also to their kicker, Seth Small, who kicked that game winning field goal right at the end here in this game to seal the deal for the Tie Cats. Uh, However, I wanted to bring up one thing with you, Mike, and I know you're probably going to bring it up maybe if you think on it. With a minute left, really, TSN, you had to switch the game? Come on, man. Uh, I don't know who is working at TSN, but, man, that was a bad mistake because that game was nail-biter. I mean, you've got the entire province of Saskatchewan watching that game because of, you know, later on what we're going to talk about. And you switch over to BC and Edmonton for a kickoff. Really? Anyway, uh, other than that, though, yeah, this was a very exciting game. And uh, Hamilton did what they had to do to put the pressure on Saskatchewan for later on in the week. Mike? Yeah, I wanted to jump in on that. I, I heard about that. Um, I mean, more people, and I got to be careful how I phrase this because, you know, I know a lot of people that work in TV and – obligations are obligations and we have these uh, discussions all the time um, 
to me, where the back end of the doubleheader was in Edmonton, there's no reason why they couldn't have put the three hours staggered, uh, staggered them by three hours, staggering them by two hours and 45 minutes. I understand what you're trying to do, and that's get people out of there early. But, I mean, come on, man. It's like, what are you going to do, right? It's like, what happens if that game goes to overtime? You know, it's, you, you did a poll half the country away from watching the game, but quite honestly meant a lot in the standings. Um, it's just oversight issues that, to me, have a lot of, um, have a lot of issues. And, you know, you could have, if you really wanted to, you could have started that early game uh, half an hour earlier, right? Because you're in the East. Um, you know, what's a 6.30 versus what's a 7 o'clock? Better yet, I mean, I honestly, Adam, and I know that the programmers at TSN, if this was a playoff game, zero, this much, zero chance that happens. If there's a playoff game that's in overtime or goes late, that other game is waiting. I don't understand why they couldn't have waited. Um, you know, you're pulling your viewers away from arguably the most climatic part of the football game. Uh, knowing what I know about sports ratings, more people like to watch the end of the game than the beginning, especially if it's compelling. Um, I just don't understand it. Um, if, if you're that fixated on, you know, the two hours and 45 minutes and you have a hard out, uh, take one or two less commercials and that'll fix the problem. Uh, but again, I just, I just don't understand that whole, that whole scenario. Uh, yeah, and you know, the only thing on that that I'll say on is, you know, one team was playing for the playoff lives in the Ottawa yeah. Red Blacks, and one team was playing to possibly clinch second place, right, in the BC Lions. To me, I think that, and again, it's early on in the game. If right. you miss that first three minutes, is it going to kill you? I don't know. Maybe it would. If you got a touchdown return, well, hey, it happens. But you, hey, you that's not the highlights. Yep. Yeah, and, to me, the most climatic part of the ratings uh, is the end of the game, well, whether you liked it or not. And, you know, and, and that's, it, it's, it's screwed if you do, screwed if you don't. If you're worried about following a commercial break behind, make it up later in the game or make it up at halftime. It's like, no, I understand advertisers pay for their money. And they pay for their spot, and they want their adverti- their advertisements played when they get paid to do this. To me, this is a much more simpler issue. It's called scheduling and common sense. Never mind the advertisers. Never mind everything. What's the difference between a seven forty five and an eight o'clock, or even an eight fifteen tip-off in Edmonton? It's a Friday night. I understand you don't know what the weather is at this time of year. It's just it's not a good. It's not a good. Uh, it's not a good look for anybody, but that was not the biggest problem in this football game. Uh, for me, 
just to wrap up here on on Ottawa, because I know I went on a tangent about the TV, uh, they could not close. Uh, they had a chance, multiple chances to add on. Uh, they had multiple chances to make the defensive rally, but couldn't. Um, and sort of they reap what they sowed, right? They let Hamilton back into the game. And, you know, this reminded me, Adam, and you'll have to refresh my memory. Um, this reminded me of week one or week two. The Bombers were playing the Red Blots, and Kalaros got taken out by that concussion spotter. And then Drew Brown comes in and leads the game winning drive. That, that's what this was like on a similar scale. Um, but on, on the flip side, it's good that Hamilton uh, got the running game going better late than never. I think it would have solved a lot of their earlier issues, but I'm glad to see that common sense prevailed. And my final thought here on uh, Ottawa is that I hope Bob Dice gets a decent look uh, at being the head coach because, to me, he's worked for this opportunity. There's not too many guys that have done what Bob Dice has done, short of being a head coach, and he's well-respected. And it's very clear to me that I know who's on that team right now, but it's very clear to me that they play for him, and it's very clear that he uh, that he creates that spark. Secondary note here just before we move on, congratulations to Caleb Evans for setting the record for most rushing touchdowns in a season. Granted, probably most people uh, would argue that it's, you know, 15 or 16, one or two-year touchdown scrambles, but sure, you know what, the guy set the record, congratulations to him, and uh, he's found a way to be very, very productive, uh, very, very productive uh, as well. And Trey makes the comment that the 49ers Rams game a couple weeks ago started at 5.15 local time, not for the fans, but for TV. Granted, that's NFL, a multi-million, billion-dollar business with a B, but I think still the principle uh, is quite the same, especially given the fact of where we are in the season and what was at stake. Let's go to that second game of the doubleheader, which saw the BC Lions defeat the Edmonton Elks 31-14. to And all I can say is I'm sure thinking that a lot of Edmonton fans are grateful for the end of the roller coaster ride that was this season. One of the interesting parts to me came at the end of the game, inside the three-minute warning, when TSN started getting into the speculation about the future of Chris Jones. Because, um, to be honest, Chris Jones wasn't a guy that I had circled on my radar as a guy of potentially not having a job next year. I don't believe that was the context of the conversation. I think they were saying his job is safe, but if he starts slow next year, that's when the question started. I think that was what was meant, rather than a wholesale uh, coaching change at the end of the year. But who knows? Uh, the week is still one day old. The season is, you know, three or four days old at this point, depending when when you're watching. Three or four days 
I ended the offseason. They took care of a nice piece of business today. Adam, which I wanted to touch on, uh, which we'll do shortly. Uh, Actually, we'll do it right now. Dylan Mitchell uh, puts his name on a brand-new three-year contract, and apparently they are close to a deal with their running back, uh, Kevin Brown, as well. Um, Nice foundational pieces to lock up in a very quick uh, fashion. Yeah, you got three big pieces there that Edmonton, if you looked at this season and said it was a total write-off, well, I'll argue a little bit on that. You've gained a few good pieces around you. Uh, Kevin Brown this week had seven rushes for 20 yards. Doesn't sound like much, but you got to remember, he made most of his work this week out of the backfield, was the leading rusher, eight for nine, 65 yards. Uh, Just had a good game there, Kevin Brown. Same thing also with Dylan Mitchell, 60 yards. Uh, one touchdown as well, five for eight, had a good game as well. And of course, he's rewarded with these big, with a very good contract. You know you're going to get three more years of Dylan Mitchell in Edmonton, which is a big deal. I thought maybe this guy might even end up getting a little bit of an opportunity to maybe do a tryout in the NFL. So I was very happy for them on that. You've got a quarterback that I guess you guys are going to run with, with uh, Taylor Cornelius, who you signed earlier this season. So you've gotten yourself some pieces for the building on for next year. So was this a complete total loss of a season? You didn't make playoffs, I understand. And I don't think playoffs were really on the radar really for the Edmonton Elks this year. I think that they were on the radar of more uh, starting to build something here. And they've got a few pieces now on the offensive side of the football. On the defensive side of the football, they do have some pieces. Matthew Thomas has been great for the Edmonton Elks lately, has been just a tackling machine in the last few weeks, Uh, had a few good plays, even against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He's ended up getting some good, solid foundational tackles and getting some penetration into the backfield as a defensive lineman. So they've got a good piece on that as well. Uh, They've had some other pieces. Uh, Maconzo, Enoch Maconzo was also a big piece of this game as well. Uh, the more this team gets together and does some things, I think the better they're going to be. They're finding some younger pieces all as they go. Uh, One weird one that I see here is Darrell Walker Walker had a defensive tackle. I'm guessing that's probably because of one of the four Trey Ford interceptions, but Hey, let's talk about Trey Ford as well. Uh, First season out, you know, had injury problems throughout this season, which never is a great way to start your CFL career, but this game here, did he look all like all elite? Now, you know, he had a touchdown, had two interceptions. But one neat little piece that you got here is eight carries for 72 yards was their re- leading rusher uh, in this game. So to me, the, uh, this could be a year that the Edmonton Elks say, gee, we maybe have um, really didn't do much this year. But I'll say that you guys have taken a step forward and that you guys are on the right path and getting some more key players onto this team. I think if they keep this up, you never know. They might get enough pieces in an offseason with free agency and whatever else could happen that they might just maybe make some noise next year. We'll see what happens, though, with the Edmonton Elks as this, uh, this offseason, I guess, has begun for them. The uh, garbage bag day is already gone for the Edmonton Elks. So, yeah, uh, hopefully good stuff going on there for next year. The interesting part to me, Adam, and I don't know how much of this game you watched. Just my final thoughts on Edmonton before we moved to PC. Um, did it seem like to you that Trey Ford is in his head a little bit? Granted, um, 
granted he has so much talent, but has yet to really put it together, granted injuries. And what I mean by that is he's a quarterback that can run. Like he's blessed with athletic ability to run. And he's a guy that can throw the ball as we've seen. My question is, does he get himself in trouble when, you know, running when maybe he should be throwing and throwing maybe when he should be running? And, and it's that mix of trying to... Do, do you understand what I'm trying to say? Like, does do his talents get him in trouble for his experience level? I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, but here's my way of looking at it, his age level right now. He's one of those quarterbacks that's very young in the league and he's learning the league. The first thing you think of is instinct to run if you have to run because you have that instinct of running. Now, if he's a veteran quarterback, such as one that we're going to be probably talking about in two games that pulls the ball down and tries to run and because he thinks he can still make his moves, that doesn't work all the time. For a young quarterback that's just starting in the league, I think it's okay, but you got to make sure that you're going after him and making sure that he knows that, hey, there are some opportunities out there. You got to find them. Uh, is this the year that he had to be perfect on that? No. I think that eventually he will grow into that more passing and uh, moving the ball with his arm versus moving the ball with his legs. I sure hope he does. Uh, this year, definitely, he was using his legs a lot. Uh, that being said, with a different offensive line next year and maybe with some other changes, maybe he gets a little, and also another year of training camp. That's a big thing for young quarterbacks. Right. We'll develop a guy that can maybe run the football and pass it just as much as he runs it. Yeah. I, I guess my question is, is he missing out on opportunities because of that inexperience to, yeah, I he, right. he's one of those that knows, but Hey, if trouble comes, I can evade it with my legs, but it might not be the best scenario for my team. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Oh, I, absolutely. I, 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 no, I believe he was missing pieces, but I are missing some plays possibly. But the thing is, is you've got to have that offensive coordinator or that quarterback's coach to say to him, hey, there's some passes outfield that you were kind of missing or can see maybe. Here's how you can maybe get a little bit less pressure on you so that you can maybe find them next time. And that comes with experience, I think, right. more in the CFL. And this guy is a very, very young quarterback uh, that uh, really hasn't had a lot of Canadian football for experience. Uh, I think he's had, what, four games he's, this year if he what did? What they've strikes me too, he's a very good athlete. And you can't find those. And he really fits that Chris Jones mold, you know. And if it isn't quarterback, I'm pretty sure Chris Jones would find another spot for him on the football field. Uh, I always joked and said, I always joked around with Chris Jones or about Chris Jones. I said, if he could sign Usain Bolt and put him on a field and try to let him catch a football, he'd let him do it because uh, he just anybody that's an athlete, Chris Jones wants. Yeah, phone up Chris Jones. You'll probably have a job. Um, quickly, last thing on Edmonton, they did not win a home game again this year. Um, how devastating is that for business? It sure don't help anything, I'll tell you that much. Uh, I know that, you know, eventually it probably could come to the point where people just want to go to the game in case it happens and soon enough. But, uh, you know, no, it doesn't help anything that you don't win home games. I mean, 
this is a young team though again and i think that it's getting some pieces together and you got a great president of victor Quee there right now that seems to have a good idea on marketing and promotional and really connecting with the edmonton community i believe so to me i think he's a good guy that's going to probably uh, help eventually when they win that game it's going to be a celebration in edmonton like we've never seen but in the meantime i i think that edmonton is working on something there and they will win a game that I, I i i can't see them doing three years in a row can i um the other part of this that's kind of interesting for me here is just the bc lions um switching over to them this was a complete effort from the bc lions but they had their foot on this game from very early on and didn't let go. Um, to me, simply put, BC did what they needed to do. Yeah, no, they did. I, the thing I didn't, there was only two parts that, uh, I'll tell you, there was one part I didn't like about this game, one basic piece that I loved about this football game. The first that I really loved was James Butler. 141 yards, had a big touchdown. I uh, had some huge plays all throughout this game and BC went with the strategy of, we are just going to slam the football down Edmonton's throat all night. And I think it was 24 uh, attempts for James Butler. I mean, that's yeah. insane. So to me, kudos to the BC lions for doing that because that is playoff football, essentially what they were trying to do to that game. They wanted to win it. They wanted to end this already so that they can go and kind of give themselves a de facto, I guess, sort of bye week next uh, this week against Winnipeg. So they didn't have to bring out all the big guns. Uh, but you know what? All the credit to them. They did what they had to do. They clinched second place. That's great. The one thing, though, that I'm a little concerned about is still the play of Vernon Adams Jr., 211 yards in the air. I mean, I know your strategy was to run the football. That's still not going to cut it in the CFL. The CFL is still a pass league first. And uh, Vernon Adams did not do much in that part. The other thing also is big play, play VA did not even try to use his feet. He usually was also known for moving the ball around. He only had two yards and two attempts to try to move the ball. So to me, I don't know if Vernon Adams is the answer, but uh, I think on the preview show, I think we might be talking about a different quarterback in BC coming pretty back pretty soon, I think. Uh, but uh, the other part on this here, I mean, there was no real huge yards for the receiving core here this week for BC. Uh, they played all right. I mean, you look, Dominic Rimes was their uh, leading uh, receiver this week, 62 yards. Uh, Keon Hatcher had a touchdown, but nothing really too of real note. Uh, same thing also, uh, Terry Williams didn't really have a great punt return average this week or kickoff return like he did last week against the are you Are you okay with that type of game for what the expectations were for BC? Or am I reading that perhaps you wanted to see a little bit more? I wanted to see a little bit more passing. I'll be honest with that. Uh, I wanted to see him get some of these young receivers into the game and see what you got maybe for next year. Uh, you look at a guy like Alexander Hollins, uh, didn't have really much of a game. Same thing also with Jacob Scarbone. Uh, these are young receivers that are going to be uh, part of your team sooner than later. Let's face it, it's a tough thing to keep all your receivers in a, in a, uh, together. And BC probably won't be able to do all that, I don't think, if they're going to have to start paying up Nathan Rourke. 
So it's good to see some of those young receivers. It was good. I would like to see them get the ball a little bit more. And with the quarterback they've got in Vernon Adams Jr., eh, I don't know about that. But uh, yeah, I think, you, Trey, you're right. We might be seeing somebody else back soon. And maybe we'll see what the receivers can do as well. Uh, it sounds like Lucky Whitehead is also getting pretty close to coming back. We'll see. I'm sure he might be back for West semifinal as well. It's interesting, right? Because I, I think if I, if I'm being honest, much like you, Adam, I, I feel the same way. Um, I think BA's left a little bit to be desired at the quarterback position, and I think, to be honest, has opened the door for Nathan Worth to to to, to come back. Um, because I think I don't believe this will be as big of a discussion if BA is. You know, not Nathan Ward light numbers, but if he's putting that discussion to bed, but okay, we're good. This is the guy that's throwing for 250, 275, you know, two or three touchdowns, no interceptions, and, and you know, a typical CFL quarterback. And I don't think VA's done enough to silence the critics, uh, which seem to be getting louder now that people know that, you know, the season MOP, for lack of a better term, minus an injury, is close to coming back. That doesn't help either, and I have to wonder if it's a mental thing, right? If he hears the footsteps of Nathan Ward coming, and he goes, oh boy, I'm not going to have a job much longer if, you know, this guy's, um, if this guy, you know, keeps improving. But what, health-wise, anyway, um, what, what, what I would like to see, though, is if they have some kind of package or some kind of plan um, for uh, both quarterbacks in the playoffs. Uh, Nathan Ward, because the only, here's my problem, or not my problem, but my sort of hesitation. It's one thing to play quarterback, okay? It's another to play quarterback a week before the playoffs having missed the last 10 to 12 weeks of action and right away find a way to replicate that, you know, success that you had. That's asking a lot, minus the rest of, you know, doubts of re-injuring and all that kind of stuff. So, bottom line, Adam, I think BC is going to need two quarterbacks to get this, to get to where they want to go. I'm just curious if there's a package out there for VA uh, in the playoffs, it is a very tall task uh, to go into uh, to go at home against Calgary. I know you're in the dome. They haven't had a playoff game there uh, since they played the Bombers. I think in 16 and one by one point. Yes, that still sours me to this day, but that's besides the point. Uh, the two great types of more to made up for it. Um, but yeah, no, so. I want to just see because the other thing that kind of concerns me is everybody putting too much um, too much expectations on Nathan Ward. Like I have, I just want to see the guy get on the field and have some success. Asking him to replicate what he did prior to his injury, coming off the injury that he had, I'm not sure. I, I think people are going to be disappointed. But then again, it is Nathan Ward, so I guess all bets are off. Say it right here, right now, because I won't be on the uh, 
any of the playoff previews, BC Lions are winning the West. There, you heard it from me. Uh, right now, I said that in the group chat after the uh, after the games there, and I said they would play the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and I I stood by that. Uh, you have any closing observations, uh, Adam, before we move on? Yeah, you know what? I just wanted to bring up a little bit about Nathan Rourke here a little bit. I think the guy there has got one of the biggest work ethics out there. I think that he has been probably practicing like there is no tomorrow, uh, CFLPA agreement or not. I think he's probably still working out. He's probably in BC right now. The guy apparently doesn't quit. And from what I've been hearing from practices, he is working his tail off to try to be ready for these games. I don't know if Vernon Adams is the uh, if it's going to be a one and a one a situation going into the into the playoffs, or if it is Nathan Rourke's a guy and Vernon Adams is the insurance policy, which is still not a bad insurance policy to be honest with you. The guy does have experience, uh, but I'll tell you right now, to me, Nathan Rourke, the way he started the season was just absolutely mind boggling. If he's going to put the effort into it, I think he's going to be mind-boggling again. And I sure hope we can see some really, really uh, exciting things out of Mr. Rourke before this season ends, including a trip out to Winnipeg to go and play in that very, very cold stadium known as Investors Group Field. I hope if I turn my microphone on, that's better. Yeah. Very, very true there, Adam, um, as well. Uh, let's quickly talk about, well, a very CFL-ish ending in this third game. Uh, there's no other way to put it. Um, quick story here. Time for story time with Mike, which everybody loves. Anybody wants to sponsor, please let me know. Um I happened to be with Mr. Corbett while this game was going on. He was with me at the hockey, and game was coming down the stretch, and I don't quite remember the variation of the story trait and what to chime in on the comments on this one. Uh, when it was tied, uh, he says to me, okay, within one or two points, you know, we get the pit, right, or some some variation of the story. Um, so I said to him, I said, yeah, it's going to be very difficult because, you know, just because you don't really see a one-point play all that often out of when a football game. And this Rouge gets kicked, and I have it on my phone like I'm checking the score, and I give him this grin of, you realize you're about to realize what just happened, and he said, "Oh yeah, I could see your phone." So Trey ended up being very, very happy. The long and short of it, um, he needed the plus two, and they got the plus one all because of the rouge. So yeah, when Trey death his way, it's it's pretty. pretty oh, don't happy. worry. I was hoping the same thing. Yeah. No, I know. So. Uh, you mentioned that, and that was uh, kind of the story time uh, with Trey there. Uh, with me and Trey, by the way, who did a wonderful job uh, this past weekend. So uh, thank you for your help, Trey. Um, yeah, so this football game in itself, 
I'll be honest, I did not see much of it, but the Rouge kind of sealed the deal. And judging on some of the social media, there was no question this was a Rouge because apparently it was kicked long out of bounds. Like, not just an inch or two. Apparently, more than enough to suffice uh, the point. Uh, opening reactions here. Uh, Adam, this obviously sets the playoff picture as far as the top part of the East. Yeah, and you know what? what I, yeah, no, I was quite happy with this. Um, you know what? I always love the Rouge, and the reason is because it introduces a pile of chaos to any game. These two teams, if you remember that one call by Rod Black back in the day, where they were kicking the ball. One guy would kick it. I think it was uh, uh, the old kicker for uh, Montreal. What was his name again? I can't remember off the top of my head. But nevertheless, he went, booted it into the end zone. Damon Duvall boots it into the end zone. The Toronto guy goes, gets it back, boots it out of the end zone, goes and gets back to Damon Duvall, who boots it back into the end zone. And then Montreal ends up falling on top of it. It's just chaos. So to me... This didn't end like that because just Boris Beatty decided to miss the field goal. And while he's going to miss the field goal, you put some gusto into it and nailed it uh, as a single. And you know what? I'm still all for it. You know, it, it, it's just so much fun watching the Rouge. And I know a lot of people are going to argue me on this because, well, that's silly. A guy gets a point for missing a field goal. That's dumb. No, it isn't. It's, it's partially, it's all Canadian. We always give a point out no matter what happens. If you stay in the end zone, and it's just something that about it. I guarantee if Montreal could have grabbed that ball somehow and booted out of the end zone, they would have done it. And it would have been just classic CFL. We would have had a rugby ending, Adam. Absolutely. And I was all for it. I mean, I, I that's why I love the Rouge, because it's things like that. Uh, but I got a question for you while we go on to the Toronto Argonauts here a little bit, uh, Mike. Yeah. You look at the stats of McLeod Bethel-Thompson in this game. 20 for 29, but 69 yard or 69% completion percentage, 240 yards, one or two touchdowns, and an interception. Is that going to get the Argonauts anywhere? I know they're hosting the East Final now, so they're only one game away from the show. But is that really going to get them to where they need to go? Or is this kind of a concern for the Argonauts going forward? This is a very good question, and you're feeding me a 100-mile-an-hour fastball in the bottom of the ninth with the bases loaded to use the baseball reference about why I'm not sold on McLeod Bethel-Thompson. Um, yeah, I, I feel the same way. I... I, I felt this way about the Argos for years, um, particularly the last two, um, particularly that year where they played in the snow and they picked the ball off the ground and run the big touchdown back and win the great cup. I, I have a hard time giving the Argos credit where credit is due, given their record. Because it is such a frustrating, um, it is such a frustrating team that 
They're like that annoying mosquito that you keep trying to swat away, but yet it keeps coming back to bite you, and then you swat it again and swat it again and swat it again. I mean, that's when you know they're like 10 and 5, and you figured, how did that team get there? Um, my only concern is we kind of saw it in this game a little bit. A lot of the Argos wins have required multiple defensive scores. And when that doesn't happen, you get a game like what you got uh, in this one. Uh, Tie game, Montreal hanging around, you win by a rouge. Um, Is it pretty? No. Does it get the job done? Yes, because you are one win away from a great cup. So getting back to your original question, am I thrilled with the way McCall Buffalo Thompson played quarterback in this one? No, but he did enough to win. Is it enough to win a playoff game? We'll see. Um, But my big thing is if they win the East and find their way to the Great Cup, which I'm sure hoping that they they're hoping that they do. They're not going to be able to win the Grey Cup, in my mind, with just McCaw Bethel Thompson. They're going to need some kind of a running attack. Uh, we presume Regina is going to be cold on Grey Cup Sunday. Uh, so any kind of a running game would help out McCaw Bethel Thompson. It's frustrating because I'm trying to find a way to discredit what McCaw Bethel Thompson does. But yet I can't because he's right there getting the job done in unconventional ways. It is so frustrating. But I just wonder if that defense can't score points, if that's going to bite them. Particularly against a team all of a sudden that's opportunistic when it comes to turnovers in Hamilton and Montreal, whoever wins that game. I think both teams can force turnovers. And I think, I think McCrobb and Thompson still prone to that, you know, two interceptions. And if one of them is returned for a touchdown, that could be trouble. But again, the Ardell defense typically has a lot of, um, scores a lot of points, which I think alleviates a lot of the pressure from their quarterback. And if that continues, sure, they're going to win. But particularly if he turns the ball over or the other team doesn't turn the ball over, I don't like McLeod Buffalo Thompson in a shootout style of football game. Uh, I just think there's one mistake that he's going to make that's going to break the bats of the Argos. Um, but, again, he's proven me wrong. He's probably going to prove me wrong. He's probably going to wind up in the Great Cup just because I said that and just because he's listening to the show and uses what I have to say about him as motivation. So I ask that I just be quiet now. <laughs> you know, I'm just looking over here, though, on the other side of the football. And this, I think, you know what, my Dark Horse team, I said at the beginning of the year that the Alouettes are going to make the Great Cup. And if they keep playing like they are, minus the whole in the end, can't get a touchdown thing. Uh, they should make the Grey Cup. I mean, you look at a player like Trevor Harris. Everybody had him written off so many times over the years. Uh, 413 yards, 
I mean, just absolutely incredible for him at his age to be throwing that much of uh, football and 75.8% completion percentage. This guy here signed one of the lowest contracts for a CFL quarterback this year and is just absolutely lighting it up. So it's absolutely insane. Uh, closing out on, yeah, closing in on 5,000 yards to his credit is the leading passer in the CFL, Trevor Harris, man. I, I am very impressed with his season this year. The other thing to keep in mind as well, and this is why I'm really high on Montreal right now, is William Stanback. 65 yards in this game, uh, had 10 carries, getting better, getting better. And he's still got another week to hone it in before he goes and has to play uh, the Ticats. Well, we'll get on that later on also. But, uh, you know, he's uh, been looking better every game that he's been getting into. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, no, he didn't get a touchdown this week. That's my bad. Uh, but very good, uh, very good production. The other thing is, Montreal doesn't need just Eugene Lewis to do it anymore. They've got a few big receivers are out of this game here. Jake Winicky, yeah, he's still on the team. Uh, has 121 yards, five for six this game, had a touchdown. Walter Fletcher had 99 yards. I don't know if he was coming out of the backfield or if they just threw him in as a receiver. But either way, wow, great receptions and great work by Walter Fletcher, who was pretty much traded for, well, I can't even remember what he was traded for from the Edmonton Elks. So good on uh, the Montreal Alouettes for getting that pickup as well. Uh, but they're starting to click at the right time here. Yeah. They're not making silly penalties. They only had 39 yards worth of penalties. I really like what Montreal is doing. Yes, granted, they didn't get the win this week. But if they can just get it all together and get it in the end zone, look out. This team here on the offensive side of the football is pretty darn dangerous, I think. And very well could be on their way to starting to make some noise in the East. Uh, but they got two games to go through now instead of one game. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens here with the rest of the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, any thoughts on the Owls, uh, uh, Mike? Yeah, I, I'm going to come out and say it right here right now. I know I said Hamilton. Um... I know I said Hamilton was going to win the East, but I'm of the mindset the winner of the Eastern semifinal wins the East. Um, you know, it, it's just, you know, when you look at the definition of complete football team uh, for, for the time, um, to me it's just Hamilton and Montreal on a collision course for the right to play Toronto, I think, for the right to have that momentum. Um, I, I I just think it's very interesting, right? Because for a time, we wrote off the Alouettes because of the Mitchell thing and the penalties, and it just wouldn't stop. And there were losses that, you know, didn't really make a lot of sense. But I remember sitting in on the free agency show, and I think we had, and Ryan, you can correct me if I'm wrong, we had uh, Cliffy from the Alouette's Flight Dead podcast on um, right around the time where it was announced that Trevor Harris would be returning to Montreal, which everybody was kind of caught by surprise, and I think we all started laughing, like this is like a beneficial... Uh, 
situation. It's a 1A, 1B. Crazy how things change in a matter of months. Um, now, all of a sudden, Trevor Harris is Trevor Harris. And you know what's interesting, Adam? I think Trevor Harris has refined his game. Because if you look at the Trevor Harris that we saw in Ottawa, the one that could throw for, you know, 300, 400 yards a night with Greg Ellington and those types of guys and four touchdowns. Now it's turned into a, oh, the favorite word in the Canadian football countdown dictionary. Game manager. Um, really, really, really managing the game well. And, you know, playing the way he plays the game, that low-risk kind of style. I think benefits Montreal going into the playoffs. And don't underestimate William Stanback and those fresh legs when called upon. So, yeah, I think everybody says, oh, Montreal's all about Eugene Lewis and Jake Winnetty. Well, suddenly they have a receiving core that likes to catch the ball from Trevor Harris. And finds a way to get it done. I see it right here, right now. Montreal, Hamilton. I hope it's a clear and sunny day. And I hope there's like no wind. Hector should play this game at Olympic Stadium. Because we all know what happened the last playoff game. But was at Olympic Stadium. It was a shootout. And I. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And I. I could see, and I really want the winner of this game to be in the mid-30s for points, and the loser of this game to be in the low 30s. Like a 35-32 last possession wins the game kind of thing. And I'm telling you right now, Adam, that benefits, based on track record, that benefits Montreal. Because... What has Dane Evans done, at least for the first half of this year? Thrown that untimely, ill-advised interception. Something I have yet to see from Trevor Harris, at least when it really matters. And, uh, hey, 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 Trey had a really good comment. The playoffs are going to be nuts this year. Get your popcorn, because we are a week away. Sorry, it's a week 21 fans out there uh, this week has no intrigue to me, although fantasy is going to be, I don't know, a bit of a drawn show, but that's besides the point. Um, any closing thoughts before we move on, Adam? Yeah, one little interesting point. Uh, I mean, you, I know you kind of aren't really giving Toronto much of a chance there in the East Final, and just rightfully so a little bit with their quarterback. However... There's some big news that came out of Toronto here uh, just kind of during that game that they are reevaluating a certain running back out of Toronto uh, to see how his uh, uh, torn uh, peck is doing. And if it certainly might be okay, we may see him for the East final. I'm talking, of course, about Andrew Harris. Uh, potential is there for him to maybe come back. But, hey, I guess it'll depend on what the doctors see and everything with the surgery and if he's actually cleared to go because, uh, yeah, could be a little bit interesting here coming up. Uh, a Toronto Argonaut team with Andrew Harris, I still think, is a different team than a Toronto team yeah, with exactly. AJ West. 
That goes to what I think we discussed earlier, taking the pressure off the club, Bethel Thompson. Um, and again, that turned into game manager, right? If you can dump it to Andrew Harris, and he literally takes a step forward and falls down and he gets five yards. We know that all too well from Winnipeg. So Andrew Harris is the big edge factor, I think, hanging over all of this. Uh, which I think just makes the CFL plan that much more intriguing, which is why I'm a little bit more excited that my team has a bye week so I can just sit back and I can watch the chaos in week one without my emotions having to be played with. Although I have a feeling they'll be played with uh, in the division final, so yeah, it, it's it's just one of those one of those types of uh, one of those types of games. Uh, and I, I I think the CFL playoffs. If you think you know what's going to happen in the CFL playoffs, you ain't seen nothing yet. And that's why I'm terrified to make projections because everything I say is going to be wrong. And well. Expect the unexpected come the playoffs. And that comes to our last game. Um, I need, I couldn't find a sad trumpet sound effect because I think it encapsulates Saskatchewan season, it encapsulates everything that happened, uh, shockingly. Um, I don't believe at 4-1 and one we saw this coming. I certainly didn't. Um, I'm going to go easy on the riders here because I think this has been weeks in the making. Um, it just ended so unceremoniously, unfortunately. Um, but this football game, Adam, and I, I don't know how you saw it, but we saw exactly, I thought, two football teams at the opposite end of the spectrum. And just how this rider roster can't compete with the top of this division, which is so top-heavy this year. I saw Calgary wanting to run it down the... Riders throats with a third string running back in Diedrich Mills. Um, and the Riders having no answer. Um, let's back up here. I am perplexed about why you would start Mason Fine in your biggest game of the season. I think it is a clear and resounding answer to the question about Cody Fajardo's future because if Cody was absolutely a part of your future, you don't set him in the biggest game of the season. Uh, you just don't. Um, and if I could just address Craig Dickinson for a moment, and I have been on this guy in his corner, but my tune has changed in the last couple of days. And there's a saying in sports, a team is often a, rep a representation of its leadership. It's a very interesting statement as it pertains to Saskatchewan. 
Uh, I did not like the way Craig Dickinson handled the Cody Fajardo situation. I wasn't on here last week, so hence why I'm going on this big rant. But to say that your quarterback has a vet day coming off of a bye week and then to say the next day, oh, yeah, he's not starting, to me, that's not very... That's not very professional. That's not very uh, good looking on your franchise. However, I understand Craig Dickinson has now come out and said that that was a poor choice of words, uh, which I give him credit for. But it's just, I don't know, it's just, I'm very disappointed. Now, there's a lot of Bomber fans that are, um, there's a lot of Bomber fans that take great glee in the Riders not making the playoffs, especially collapsing the way they did. I think it's a bad time for the CFL. Um, if you look at the ratings when the Bombers and the Riders or both are on a bye week, the TV ratings, not good. Um, I think the CFL needs the Riders back in its rightful place in CFL dominance. Um, but I think, Adam, just to close up my rant, is it Cody? Is it the offensive line? To be honest, I think we got a lot of answers in that game. And maybe Cody isn't the problem. And the one thing I will say I think it's horrifically unfair that Cody is the scapegoat for this situation. Because, given the last two seasons, uh, you know, you're a goalpost away from going to the Grey Cup one year, you hit the goalpost, you don't hit the goalpost, who knows what happens. You four six turnovers in the West Final last year, you can't win that game. Cody's two years removed from an MLP type season. Um, to, 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 to blame, Ryder Nation has this fixation to blame their quarterback. They did the same thing to Darian. They did the same thing to Neilon Green. They did the same thing to Henry Burris. <laughs> I know, but it's like, it, it doesn't help when you live in the football mecca of Canada, and everything is scrutinized with a magnifying glass. There's people, and I was listening to the call and show, there's people that said it gave you a five or six year rebuild. I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure. With the right decisions, this can be turned around in a hurry. The question is, will the writers have the you-know-what to make the appropriate decision because Adam I think you would agree with me anything less than changes of the upper management will lead to pain in the wallet um, and the, the talking and the pain public clearly don't like what they see and unfortunately your pain customers have a large part in in uh, saying that. And for people that said, oh, this is a vendetta about how bad the riders are, absolutely not. I am very, 
disappointed. Uh, in Saskatchewan, I am very disappointed. It has come to this. I hope that the riders have some fortitude to make the changes that are necessary because a thriving rough rider team means a thriving CFL. I think the microscope was also unfairly planted on them uh, by hosting the Grey Cup, as is with every Grey Cup host. But to me, this just hit new levels of unacceptable. And I, I, I think it's fair game as to who comes back. I don't know, Adam, if I fed you a fastball, but I had a lot to say about that. Uh, I apologize. Um, you're in the market right now. Obviously, this has been weeks, kind of crumbling wheat by wheat, bread by bread. Now that you've had a couple days to kind of dissect this, have your have your thoughts or opinions changed on people and does the last game mean anything, or are people just looking forward to what comes after? Well, I'll break it out like this. First things first, I'm a positive guy, and I've always been a positive guy. That's why I'm wearing a Rough Rider hat tonight, because you know what? As much as everybody has been absolutely, and I don't want to swear on this, but pooping on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders all season, which is rightfully so. I mean, there's a lot of things that have been going wrong, right, for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders this season. And right after week five is right when I looked at where the problem started with management and with the coaching staff, and it went all downhill from there. You know what? It happens. This is not a very good football team at this moment, and it won't be until there's major changes made in the Saskatchewan side of the thing. But like I said, I'm positive, and I want to go and bring up a few positive things for the okay. Ryder fans that are just absolutely aching out there right now. First things first, you do have a couple of players that have shown that they want to put some effort into this team, and they want to be a part of this Saskatchewan Rough Rider organization. First guy that I can think of is Mario Alford. He went, got a fourth quarter play that really, again, it, the game was over. We all knew it was over. Saskatchewan ain't making the playoffs. We ain't going to make come, make a comeback on this. But you know what? The guy still runs 104 yards down the field, puts full effort into this, gets a touchdown for the Rough Riders. That's a guy that with 38 seconds left didn't have to do that. He could have took it easy, backed off, took a knee, did whatever. Didn't have to really run it as hard as he did. Probably took it a tackle. But you know what? He put the effort in. And I really appreciate guys that do that kind of thing. So Mario Alford. Kudos to you. You've done a great job. Another guy that I wanted to bring up was Mike Adam. Has been a longtime serving veteran in the CFL. Has he gone and had loss of the step? I don't know. It's not my thing. But on this 100th game, ends up going out the way that no player ever wants to go out on the field, and that's on a cart. Uh, all things were good for him, so I'm glad that he really uh, has, and everything has been looking good for him. So good and best recovery to Mike Adam in this uh, in his situation. Another part that I wanted to bring up as well, you do have some pieces on this Ryder team that aren't absolutely garbage. You don't have to blow everything up. You got to blow a lot of it, but not everything. For example, Keon Schaefer-Baker went up, got himself a onside kick recovery, which was awesome of the man. Again, putting the effort in at the end of the year, 
even if the game doesn't matter to anybody else and everybody else is looking to see what's getting fired or what's going to happen or who's going to go, who cares about any of that? You're playing for football and playing for pride. Good on you for that. Okay. Uh, another thing though on this is you've got other pieces in there. Braden Lenius had a beautiful catch this week. Another guy that the Riders can usually build around. He's one of those Canadians that's a big receiver and will be a big part of this uh, team going forward, I believe. Uh, another guy would be Roland Milligan, Jeremy Clark, and uh, Felix Henderson, I believe his last, first name is Henderson. Or Felix uh, Henderson is the other guy that I was looking at there. Three good defensive uh, players that are young and very well uh, adapted to the CFL game. Another guy also to talk about was the veteran Larry Dean this year. Had a great season alongside of Darnell Sankey. Both of those guys there were always chasing each other for the tackles lead in the CFL all season. So Ryder Nation, it's not over. It's it's over this year. But you know what? Has there got to be changes? Yes. And I'm sure eventually we will get to the dissection and the uh, cutting apart of the Riders and making seeing what all went wrong in this season and figuring out what happened. But for this little bit, let's talk positive about the Riders. It sucks that we're not making the playoffs. It's terrible that we're not making a great cup in our own hometown. And it sucks that we haven't heard the halftime act, which is another reason why I think Craig Reynolds should probably be sent down the Saskatchewan River. But nevertheless, it isn't the time right now to fire coaches and fire everything because there's nothing left anymore. You're playing yourself for pride. I'd like to see some more players play for pride this week. You asked if this game here against Calgary and Cal McMahon Stadium matters. I guarantee it does to a lot of those players because nobody ever wants to go on a bad note out of the season, no matter which way it goes. You look at Edmonton, you look at uh, Ottawa, none, no team wants to leave the season in a bad way. And neither do the Riders. I'm sure there's going to be lots of guys fighting for this, and they're going to fight hard in Calgary, even if the game to everybody else doesn't matter. To them, it sure does. And I just hope that, like I say, at the end of the year, they do what's right. But we'll talk more about that later on in the season. At the moment, let's look at the guys that made it positive for the Riders. Yeah, I, I, I think to... Adam also did spin on it. Um, kind of what I was expecting based on based on what I've been hearing from you the last couple of weeks. So you kind of you were you you were unrightfully so critical. And uh, ni nice for you to end up uh, with the situation uh, on a positive note uh, as well. And you know there was a comment in here that said, you know I'm a passionate. Uh, Saskatchewan Rough Rider fan. I, I just want to clarify something. I am passionate on fan bases having success and upper management having good teams. The CFL needs the riders to be successful, needs the riders to be profitable. The CFL is a good lead when everybody is competitive and all nine teams have an equal shot at winning. That's where my comments come from. And I can remember, you know, Adam, just like you, you know, years ago, um, the rider tickets were so hard to come by because they were winning constantly. And 
it's just really unfortunate that the Bombers and the Riders, at least for this year, are on opposite ends of that. Um, just because I think they're a really good Bomber team and a really good Rider team in the same season would do wonders for the CFL as a whole. But, you know what, there's always next year. And, you know, I, I think after two years of, you know, the West Final, uh, 19 and 21, Maybe a step back this year was uh, best for the franchise in the long run. But we'll see. There's a lot of time to dissect that could have, would have, uh, could have, But let's quickly talk about the Calgary Stampeders. Yeah, and actually, uh, Richard, I just wanted to bring up one point that you brought up on the chat here real quick. Uh, the CFL has a Prairies win or lose. It needs the teams on either end of the country to be successful to truly get to that next level. Well, hey. It's on right now. You look at the BC Lions, they're truly going to be a good success and probably a long-term perennial playoff team right now, the way they look. Uh, with the, and they got the future is extremely bright if they can keep Nathan Rourke around. So I really like what I see out of Vancouver. Over on Montreal side of the football, you've got guys that are slowly starting to build up, and they've got a great little core of players in there that are going to be a long-term success. So on-field product for both of those teams are great. It's what they do off-field. I think that'll really judge what happens for the success of those two franchises. Even Toronto, they have had success here. On-field is not the issue with the Toronto Argonauts. It's the off-field stuff. It's the marketing. It's the advertising. It's the other things Uh, to make those teams build up that I think is the issue. And a meeting between Dwayne Narath Johnson and Larry Tannenbaum doesn't need to find the headlines before the biggest game of the season. I'm sorry. It's there's no there's a time and a place for that stuff. It's just funny how that all comes to the forefront a week of the Ardo's biggest game. And I'm just wondering what's the story gonna be during the East Final? Always something with Toronto. It, it they just it they can't buy a break in that regard. Well, the, the team itself can't. I mean, it, they go into there and they look, they're look they looked at like, oh, well, you guys are the uh, redheaded child of the uh, MLSE, essentially. And it sucks. You know what? The Argonauts are one of the oldest franchises in the Canadian football. They should be celebrated all over in that town. Yet they're looked at not the right way to me at all. Uh, and Hamilton, I mean, you guys too. It's your turn to go and start maybe changing a few things up. But, hey, you're back in the game. You're in the playoffs. Anything can happen. And I really look forward to seeing that uh, playoff game against Montreal. That one there is going to be really exciting when it comes to it. And Edmonton, I mean, they're slowly starting to build. That. So that was my theme in this the whole episode was try to be as positive as I could. And guess what? I'm still working on being as positive as I can on this one, even though I'd like to say a few things about the riders that I really, really shouldn't. I'm not going to today. So, you know, uh, yeah, sorry, Trey. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, no, uh, we'll talk about the riders and their problems. I'm very certain very soon, but, uh, yeah, let's move on to the Stampeders. They had a very good game and they had a good game plan coming into Saskatchewan. Essentially it was give Kadeem Carey, give, uh, uh, Diedrich Mills, who boy, they sure got a one-two tandem in Calgary now in the receiving or in the running game. Uh, both of those guys looked incredible, and uh, I can't wait to see more of that coming up in Calgary. You guys in Calgary should be very, very happy with what you've seen out of this game here, especially the the uh, 
uh, uh, yards on the game ground. I mean, both players, I mean, if I take a look at it here, uh, oops, that's the wrong game, sorry. Uh, if I take a look, the uh, Riders and uh, Stampeders, I mean, both were trying to run the ball, but I mean, and Calgary clearly succeeded in it. 103 yards for Diedrich Mills in a touchdown. Gideon Carey had 75 yards and almost two touchdowns. One got called back for a holding call. But uh, yeah, no, it was a very good game for the Calgary Stampeders. Another one also would have mentioned on this one here that I wanted to bring up was Richardson Danny. Beautiful catch for your first touchdown in Saskatchewan where you used to play some U-sports uh, football. So that got to be cool for the young man. I uh, had a great catch. Sean Bain actually had a few good yards this week as well. And um, yeah, just overall a good week for the Calgary Stampeders. You're playing a team that isn't play Again, Calgary had nothing to play for at this point uh, except for uh, pride and for uh, just making sure they're ready to go for the playoffs. Another guy also, I believe, uh, Jalen uh, Philippote, uh, 64 yards. He's been probably Calgary's rookie of the year, I would think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, unless he got another pick. Uh, and also Devontris Dukes. That's going to be a very interesting uh, player sooner than later in the CFL. Uh, I just love the last name of Dukes also. That's just that's just great. Uh, what was your thoughts on the Stampeders there, uh, uh, Mike? You know what? They did what they needed to do, and they did show why they're one of the top three teams in, in the CFL's West Division. Um, no disrespect to the Riders. Uh, they were like the schoolyard bully that had their way, and the Riders had no answer. Uh, offensive line, defensive line, quarterback, running back, receiver, it, it all worked. Um that being said, that was the type of performance that I wanted to see from Calgary. Uh, obviously, they did not have a chance for home field based on what happened the night before, but I think really set the precedent for what I think could be a really good Western semifinal, along with a really good uh, Eastern semifinal. So it remains to be seen, but I think this year in general has the potential to be one of the most exciting, uh, intrigued, uh, semifinals, uh, particularly uh, out west. Um, I have to wonder, does Calgary show up the fire this week and play Bowley by Mitchell in against Saskatchewan? Because I, I, like I, I just wonder, and I'm just spitballing here, and I know this has nothing to do with, with the scoreline. I just wonder how much do you play Jade Mayer and who replaces Jade Mayer, right? If that's Bo, I mean, the storyline's already drawing Bo to Saskatchewan, so why not? Um, I, I, I think it'll be Tommy Stevens. But Calgary to me, uh, Richard, I think it was Richard that made an interesting point. Is it me or does Dickinson look uh, upset all the time? Well, I hate to break it to you. Third place would make me pretty cranky when you're used to the to the top of the division all the time. Um, the one concern I do have with Calgary, though, going into the playoffs is their ability to win against Winnipeg and their ability to win against BC. Um, yeah, I think they have – I don't have the stats in front of me, and that's a really bad uh, podcast host. My apologies. But I think Calgary's record – 
against Winnipeg and Saskatchewan. Uh, sorry, Winnipeg and and uh, sorry, Winnipeg and BC um, is what made them in third place. Um, but if there's anybody, if there's anybody that can win two games on the road, uh, especially the way they play. Uh, it is Calgary with the with the running bats, uh, with the running bat and the quarterback that type of scenario. Uh, if you take if you take all things into consideration, uh, I think BC and Calgary is a coin flip, uh, one way or another. Maybe a slight advantage based on history goes to Calgary, but then BC is in the dome, so. Yeah, it's it's just very uh, intriguing, and I, I just wanna my biggest question. I think this is just my closing thought with Calgary as a whole. For the teams that are going to the playoffs, I don't want to see a major injury this week. I think if you can get out of a major injury this week somehow, some way, um, your teams will be better for it. I don't want to see a major injury on Winnipeg on. DC on uh, Calgary, neither on Montreal or Hamilton or Toronto, because that would just be devastating at this point, um, depending on who it is. Uh, and you don't want uh, those types of plays into it. So, again, we'll see. And you guys will have a lot of interesting storylines to talk about on Thursday night. Uh, we will start to see some depth charts and lineup formations. Um, very curious. Um, how that's all going to shake down. I can't wait to uh, listen to the show after my hockey game on uh, Thursday night, which has been a very nice reprieve uh, as well. Um, Let's quickly move ahead here and take care of some of our normal items of business after the game recaps. By the way, I just want to make a quick mention of one thing, if I can. Uh, before we move on, there's these um, there's these discussions that we have before the show about oh we're gonna keep this an hour we're gonna keep this an hour and a half. Adam, okay, I'm sorry, it took us an hour and twenty two minutes to get through four game recaps because once yeah. you and I get, <laughs> once you and I become a chatty taffy, all bets are off, and show length doesn't seem to apply. But anyway, so we have our CFL fantasy results. Uh, that's where we'll start. Adam, I think you have those results. Uh, actually, you know what? I do too. Bad, uh, bad. Lots of preparation. Uh, uh, give me one second here. Yeah, I can pull them up too if you like. Uh, I had them here two seconds ago. Just give me one second here. Oh, here it is. Okay. I, I have the ones from our. Uh, okay. Yeah, you go with those first. Fantasy lead here, so we'll do that. Ryan won the week, played substantially with 114.9. Trey was matched up 69.5. I was third at 68.2. Adam, you were last at 61.3. I just want to make everybody aware of this because Ryan is not on the show. He says, good effort, boys. Laughing face. Well, that can only come from somebody that knows he's going to win a title this week and just wants to rub it in a little bit more. That being said, congrats, Ryan. I already conceded that you're going to win because these totals just make it insurmountable 
Uh, Ryan, the big question is, the big challenge I have for you, can you crack 2,000 points? That is the question. You're sitting at 1,940.7. If I can crack 1,900, I'll be happy, but that's a little bit of a challenge. I'm sitting at 1,730.2. Trey is at 1,421.6. Adam is at 1,340. So yeah. one week is all the most exciting week. Uh, Ryan probably took tonight off to brainstorm a bunch of waiver uh, pickups and scheduling a roster, which terrifies me when he gets in that laboratory. All of us can only hope and pray what he comes up with. That being said, all jokes aside, I uh, did fun pool to be a part of. Adam? Yeah, I just wanted to also bring up uh, pretty much we're all just, uh, there's either Ryan or us bathing in Ryan's presence, essentially, when it comes to the weekly CFCE countdown one. So, yeah, kudos to Ryan. You've probably won this unless some real drastic thing happens or we can figure out a way of getting some points out of you by uh, changing some rules on you real quick. But I don't think either of those are going to happen. So congratulations. You probably have won it. Uh, over on our weekly uh, CFLPN uh, podcast network uh, fantasy uh, uh, matchup. Uh, this has been kind of an ongoing thing all year. Uh, there was a final that happened this week. But of course, me and Ryan and Trey are still playing in that as well. Uh, Ryan had actually the top score of the week. Yeah, I know. It sucks, don't it, Ryan? Because he's pretty bitter about that. Maybe that's why he didn't want to come on tonight, because he didn't want to have to have to Probably, uh, probably a little bit of that. And I mean, I, I, I've been egging him on a little bit about it. So, I mean, you know, I probably also didn't really, uh, shouldn't have really done that to him. But nevertheless, I uh, have the best score of the week here this week, I believe, at 84.7 points uh, for the whole of the podcast crew. Uh, Trey was at 64.9 and I was at 70.5. I had a, actually a really good week out of uh, Dietrich Mills, which was just awesome. And uh, Ryan had a really big week out of James Butler. So I think both of those guys will get mentioned here pretty soon again. Uh, but the big thing was the finals of the CFLPN Podcast Network Fantasy League. And this one here was a battle of turf districts. Uh, super fan Mike ends up beating Andrew from the Turf District 84.1 to 80.9, who wins the CFL Podcast Fantasy League Championship. So kudos over to at Parksies56. Uh, a well-deserved honor, sir. I congratulate you. And I'm sure Ryan will congratulate you one day in kind. And uh, yeah, wins, I think it's $340 for the charity of his choice. So kudos to you. And uh, can't wait to do it again next year. I know that uh, it's one of the highlights of being a guy that's in the fantasy or in the podcast thing. It's my first year and Trey's first year. Not sure if Trey had fun with it. I think he did. Uh, I know I sure did. Uh, and uh, you know what? Hey, excellent. Glad to hear that you guys, uh, that everybody had fun with it. And also a big shout out to Ryan on that too, because he does a lot of work to get that all set up in the back end of it for all of us. So kudos to him. And again, congratulations to Superfan Mike over from the Turf District for winning the whole kit. I might have to, 
I might have to talk to Mr. Commissioner and see if he will grant an expansion franchise into the lead. Uh, we'll see. I said that last year, and apparently my application got stuck in the mail. So, uh, <laughs> Ryan, you better check the mailbox uh, a little better this year. All jokes aside. Boy, I'm very jokey here all of a sudden in the last uh, five, ten minutes. Uh, one thing I we, do know, we all know uh, Mike, we all know that's because I'm wearing a green hat today and you can make fun of the riders as hard as you can tonight. Yes. Okay. Um, quickly here on a uh, promotional level, it is time for our betting segment. Our betting segment is powered by BetStamp. BetStamp is a free app that helps you find the best value for your online sports betting wagers by providing comparisons of ads. Oh, sorry, but Sorry, comparisons of odds. Sorry, can you tell I've been reading ads all weekend? So I mistake odds for ads. Odds across a variety of sports books, sports books including the bet stamp, uh, including the bet stamp app, including the bet. So sorry, including the bet stamp recommended best odds. Sorry, that we use every week for our CFL pits against the spread. Learn more at betstamp.app and sign up with referral code CFC. Now with a look at how we did this past week, Adam Stewart. Yeah, no, it was uh it was a definitely a week that was an up week for all of us, actually, when you uh take a look at things here. Uh most times Trey would be reading this, but hey, I guess I'm here today. Uh, Ryan Coop, the guy there that just cannot do any wrong uh, this week, took off and had a perfect 4-0 week, picked up the BC Lions at negative 7, had the Ottawa Red Blacks at plus 6.5, the Montreal Alouettes at plus 2, and the Calgary Stampeders at negative 2.5, gets a 4-0 week. Myself? I don't know why they use a John Deere tractor to show mine. I drive case tractors, but nevertheless, uh, I got back to 500 this week. I was 3-1. I uh, picked the BC Lions at negative seven. I picked the Ottawa Red Blacks. I picked the Montreal Alouettes. I can't go against my team, man. I just couldn't do it on the last game when they could get eliminated. And that was more probably foolish pride than it was anything. So I went three and one. Probably should have went four and oh, because I definitely was thinking the Stamps were winning it. But I just couldn't do it against my own Rough Riders. And Trey, well, he had a good week as well. Uh, BC, he went and got that one right. Picked the Hamilton Tiger Cats, though. That one wasn't correct. Uh, they were negative six and a half. Uh, Montreal was plus two. They were right uh, with Trey. And Calgary, he picked as well. That was positive. So he was a three and one as well this week. So current standings, Trey's still in the lead, but uh, Ryan's trying to close the gap a little bit. 46 and 30 for Trey. Uh, Ryan Coop, 42 and 34. And myself, my goal all along was 500, and I'm at 500. 38 and 38. So congratulations to those two guys for having a great week. And, uh, yeah, looks like we are uh, moving on to week 21. Pretty darn close in the standings, except for me, because, you know, I had to pick the riders a bunch of times this year. Adam, I have to tell you, from short-term pain, comes long-term gain. So, fingers crossed for you next year. Well, we'll sure hope so. <laughs> You're certainly better than I am at a lot of this stuff. Anyway, one of our last orders of business, actually our second last order of business, 
is to discuss our players of the week. And Adam, do you want to start us off? Yeah, I can start us off. Mine's going to go to James Butler. I uh, had a huge week here. 24 attempts for 141 yards and a touchdown and pretty much single-handedly clinched the BC Lions second place in the West. I mean, they weren't stopping them one bit whatsoever in this game here and just really a great effort by James Butler. And you got to also then give credit to the offensive line of the BC Lions. Remember right at the beginning of the year when we all said the BC Lions offensive line was going to kill them? <laughs> Apparently we were all wrong on that one because that offensive line has looked great doing some blocking for Nate, uh, for James Butler this week. And uh, no, congratulations to him. Uh, I'm going to grab Trey's as well, if you don't mind, uh, Mike, I'll do his, and then you can grab Ryan's. Uh, Trey went and gave his to Boris Beattie for getting one point, which was the game-winning point for the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, he got the game-winning rouge, was 0 for 2 in field goals, but when it mattered the most, he got that single point. So kudos to Boris Beattie and uh, for the uh, big win this week. Yeah, I mean, player of the week. Okay, yeah, that'll work. But in the spirit of continuing to break rules, which I like to do on this show, my player of the week will be a team of the week, and that is the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, they continue to, um, they continue to uh, play well and push for a playoff spot under Bob Dice. Uh, me that deserves a very uh player of the week slash team of the week i know they were eliminated but they put their best foot forward late and like i said earlier i hope that bob dice uh becomes uh coach of the red blocks or at the very least gets serious consideration uh ryan's player of the week Diedrich mills uh and apparently a shout out is in order to Joe for calling a big game from him. Uh, backup running back putting up 17 carries for 103 yards and his first career touchdown uh, as well. So that is our players of the week. We quickly move ahead to power rankings. I'll pick this one up for now. Uh, Adam, just for flow of the show purposes. Um, sorry here. Jed ran a bunch of different screens. Uh, I'll start with Ryan's. And, well, Ryan's are pretty much the same as mine. Minus one little exception. But it appears that everybody has kind of broken the rules uh, this week. So, here goes. Winnipeg, BC, Toronto. Calgary, Montreal, Hamilton, Ottawa. At number nine, he puts the unannounced Grey Cup halftime show, which all went up and suggest maybe the bunny rabbits at McMahon Stadium can give us a pretty good halftime show. And then last but not least, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, although my honorable mention, would go to the Winnipeg Rifles, who had one of their best years in franchise history, ultimately come up short 
to the Regina Thunder. We're going to play the Saskatoon Hilltops. I believe that's next weekend at Libel Field in Regina. Uh, Adam, you can touch on that uh, shortly. Actually, right now, if you wish, uh, while you touch on yours and Trey's power ranking. So, yeah, mine and Trey's were pretty similar here. I mean, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are a number one. Why not? Uh, the BC Lions are number two. They've played good football lately. Calgary, number three. They've been good. Same thing with the Argonauts, who won again this week up against the Montreal Alouettes. So they're number five. Uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats are number six. And this is probably more of their record in Dane Evans. Uh, they could be higher even on my list, but uh, I'll stick them right there for now. Uh, then you got your non-playoff teams, the Ottawa Red Blacks at number seven, who have actually had a little bit of a resurgence, even though they aren't going to make the playoffs. The Edmonton Elks, number eight. They've got some pieces built up here. I know Trey now for number nine. This is where it gets interesting. Uh, Trey has picked up any U-17 football team because he thinks that they are better than the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And lately... I don't want to know if I can even argue that one anymore. Uh, but what I've got here is a great one. The U of S Huskies at number nine, the Regina Rams at number 10. That might switch around this week because the Huskies did lose against the UBC Thunderbirds uh, last weekend here, which is, you know, strange timing, but didn't matter much because they're already off to the playoffs and the Hardy cup will go through Saskatoon this year. Uh the Regina Rams, of course, are going to be probably playing, I think, those UBC Thunderbirds in the first round. It's either them or Manitoba, but I can't remember. But I think it's UBC that they play. Uh, then you've got the Regina Thunder, who, yes, beat the Winnipeg Rifles. But you're right. Kudos to them having a good season as well. And also getting a good uh, aerobic or uh, getting a good cardio workout before the game was the entire fan base of both teams who had to go and shovel snow for 45 minutes before they could get this off. Seriously, City of Regina, work on a Sunday and get the snow off the field. Anyways, uh, then you've got the Saskatoon Hilltops, who defeated the Edmonton Huskies. I believe it was 20-15, to 15, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, good on them. They're going back uh, for another chance to make it to the Canadian Bowl. Uh, but they've got to also face the, I believe, undefeated Regina Thunder in Libel Field next Sunday at about 1 o'clock uh, to make sure that that works. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be interesting, uh, PJ, uh, Prairie Junior Football Conference Championship here coming up pretty soon. And I think that the Regina Rams and the University of Saskatchewan Huskies are definitely on a collision course, uh, coming up here. So kudos to the upstart Rams and the Huskies, they were kind of more expected to be in this position, but both of those teams really well, good job here. Man, it's a weird year in the U sports, especially in Canada West. Have you ever seen the Calgary Dinos that that far down? That's been a long time coming. Uh, but yeah, that's what the funds are. And I guess, you know, there's also the riders. They're they're somewhere in there, way at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, just to pick up on what you were saying, Adam, I have confirmation from Canada West. It'll be the first weekend in November. It'll be the Regina Rams hosting the UBC Thunderbirds and Manitoba Bisons. We'll go out to you uh, have asked to play the Huskies. Don't sell those bison short, Mr. Stewart. It is Canada West football. As I recall, the coaches poll had the bisons up at number one. So they might have something to say about that. But you know what? The Canada West coaches poll is just that a Canada West coaches poll. Uh, 
which literally gets drawn out the window uh, after week one. Um, no, I, I agree. I think if I was a betting man, which I'm not, and remember, please bet responsibly if you do, and don't take my word for it, I would suspect the Rams and the Huskies will meet uh, for Canada West football supremacy. But crazy things have happened in Canada West before. Uh, and, and I just wanted to bring up one other point here sure. real quick uh, for Saskatchewan fans. Hey, the Riders aren't in it. Go out and support the football out there. Go and there is some extremely good level U sports being played right now. And there's some extremely good CJFL football that's going to be played. And I'm excited to watch this. If it's going to be played in Saskatoon, I'm not sure if the Canadian Bowl is going to get hosted in Saskatoon this year. But if it is, go get your tickets and go to that one if you're a Regina Thunder fan or if you're a Saskatchewan Rough Rider fan right now. Go watch some great football. You can watch some future stars from the sea that are going to eventually be in the CFL. One guy, I uh, believe it was from the uh, Regina Thunder. I uh, can't remember the running back's name, but uh, broke Andrew Harris's single game record, non-Canadian football, uh, Canadian Bowl record uh, in the CJFL for total yards. I believe it was just over 300 yards this guy carried the ball for. So seriously, go watch some of this football. It's way cheaper than going to a Ryder game. It's just about as fun to me. And uh, yeah, just enjoy yourselves and try out, see what Libel Field's like, or check out Griffith Stadium, or even Saskatoon Minor Football Field. Any of them are great fields to watch a game at. And uh, yeah, hey, wait till Grey Cup. You got something to do then until Grey Cup at least, and watch some great games in Saskatchewan. Yeah, sorry, Adam. I'm just trying to look up your, your statistic here. I believe it was 368 yards rushing. Um, could be a little bit off on the number, but still uh, quite a performance in the snow. Exactly the kind of game that you needed from your running back in that kind of weather um, as well. Um, anything else to add uh, before we wrap things up, Adam? You know, I don't think there's much really here. And again, I want to just bring it up to the teams that are eliminated here, uh, their friends. Guys, there's always some hope if you look for it. It's not that the season it was a terrible loss or it wasn't. A, it was an absolute disappointment no matter what you, you are. You always want to make the playoffs if you're an Ottawa fan or Edmonton fan or a Saskatchewan fan. You want to make the playoffs. It sucks. We didn't. But you know what? There's some great football being watched. And I want to make sure that you guys know that, hey, if any of the games, you got to watch some of these uh, other teams. Watch the BC Lions and the Calgary Stampeders. You're going to see some great football as well over on the other side. Montreal and Hamilton, still some good football to be watched. And, uh, yeah, enjoy the week, and uh, we'll be talking to you later on in previews. All right, I'll come back to you one more time, Adam. I just want to set up a quick program. I noticed we wrap things up today. Here's what's coming up next on the podcast. We 21 preview, which I'm sure Ryan will have a lot of chatting to do about his good week. That will carry over to uh, Thursday's show. I'm pretty sure Ryan will have some fantasy uh, projections from his laboratory, which I'm told he's hard at work working on right now. You can catch the show just like the past couple weeks on Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Central, uh, 8 p.m. Saskatchewan times. Adjust your time zones accordingly. Uh, you can catch this uh, and all the other uh, shows every week on YouTube, Bitten Football, 
countdown on YouTube, Facebook, Facebook.com slash CFC Countdown Pod on Twitter at CFC Countdown Pod, Twitch, twitch.tv slash CF Countdown Pod, and of course on the Game Time TV YouTube channel. Just want to make mention as well. The Week 21 recap show comes your way next Monday, uh, 9 p.m. Central, uh, 8 p.m. Saskatchewan. Adjust to all the other time zones. Also, a shout out to everybody that is watching uh, with us now. Great interaction on the chat, as always. The chat seems to get more and more busy each week I'm in here. Great to see. Also, a special shout out to those that are watching the show on demand. Uh, as well, and in podcast form, we promise that we could probably get you to work with the first half of the podcast, home from work with the other half of the podcast. So that's kind of the unintended consequences of this <laughs> podcast. But nonetheless, wherever you are, thank you so much for <laughs> supporting us. And apparently, Adam found that uh, extremely funny for a reason i'll have to hey i've got a 45 minute drive to work and then a 45 minute drive home i've still got time to do it once more almost halfway back to work true that anyway a reminder this is all made possible thanks to our presenting sponsor game time tv learn more by visiting watch.gametimetv.ca or by following on facebook facebook.com backslash game time tvmp Want to follow us on social media? As mentioned, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at CF Countdown Pod. Make sure you check out CF Pod Network on Twitter for all the other great shows from the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I have a feeling the Turf District would be an interesting show this week as those two try to dissect their, I don't know if they call it a civil war or what the heck they call it, uh, turf war maybe. Uh, find out. I know Andrew and those guys, Andrew and Mike and everybody else on the network who I've had the privilege of coming uh, in touch with over the years also do great work. So thank you for supporting us. Make sure you support them as well. Uh, your support goes a long way for all these uh, podcasts um, in our network. Also, Adam, quickly, where can people find you on uh, Facebook, it's interesting. On sorry, on uh, Twitter. Uh, my bad. Um, I'm just in the middle of uh, multiple thoughts here at once. Your YouTube farming farmer in Saskatchewan, and your photos, at least in our group chat, have changed to hot. So yeah, no, they have. I mean, we're getting into we senior hot. Getting close to some pot for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're getting excited here. It's less than two weeks away till we got to play our first senior game out in Manitoba, of all places. We've got to cross the border and go beat up Manitoba teams now, I guess. So nevertheless, you can find out what's going on uh, with all of that kind of stuff at Adam Stewart one And uh, be sure to go and mention what team I need to jump onto for the bandwagon here. I know I got a pretty good amount of messages saying go join an East Division team. But I got to know which one. I they're they're all pretty good, and I mean, Mike is trying to recruit me to be a Bomber fan, and uh, I think I'd be banned out of the provinces of Saskatchewan for doing that. So I don't know. I yeah, we I won't tell anyone. We won't tell anyone. 
nevertheless, you can find me at Adam Stewart one. If you want to find me on uh, uh, Facebook or on Instagram, I guess more than anything, farmer in Sask. And uh, hey, if you want to check out my senior hockey team or the team that I help out with, uh, yeah, Theodore Buffaloes, be looking them up as well. Ryan actually says if you want a neutral and you don't want to play for cheer for a playoff team, you could always cheer for the Schooners. Uh, it's true that. Uh, uh, Ryan, whether he's here on the comments, always finds a way to make things funny. So. Hope your laboratory is uh, cooking up the latest fantasy concoctions. Can't wait to hear it on Thursday night. It's always entertaining, as always. Remember, whatever podcast platform you're listening on, we appreciate it, whether that's uh, iTunes or wherever you wind up catching them. We'd also appreciate if you do all the fun things, such as like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, share the show with your friends, help us grow the show. The show would be nothing without your support. Uh, we do not, and I for, sh- I for sure do not, I think I speak for everybody on this podcast, we do not take uh, your support for granted. It is Time has become very valuable in the year of 2022 as I'm beginning to learn what word stuff. So if you're taking an hour and a half to two hours twice a week out, um, we appreciate that. As well, just make sure that I said earlier, you support the other shows on our podcast network who also hammer out terrific content. So for Adam Stewart, this is Michael Gale saying thank you so much for tuning in to episode 187 of Week 20 CFL Recap. The boys will take you or take care of you with the Week 21 Recap. Week 21 preview, pardon me, on Thursday night with along with our final regular season recap one week from tonight. So for Adam Stewart, Michael Gelsen, thank you so much for watching and listening. And we'll catch you soon. Enjoy the football. Remember, it's football, so enjoy it. Good night, everybody. Thanks for watching.